Ranger's Plane, Ranger's Plane, it's your pal Ninja. I'm reaching out because Rocky hasn't answered my calls. You hear something? Yeah, sounds like the radio is playing like Night Ranger or something. Hold up. No, Ranger's Plane, please. I've been imprisoned by Lord Draken. He's using my brainwaves to go through the multiverse, please. Finally. God, that was annoying. I'm the tears on Dr. K's birthday cake, Ashley. And I'm the vaporized himbo Adams of West Sid. And this is Ranger's Plane, where Sid, enthusiastic lifelong Power Rangers fan, takes me, Ashley, reluctant new fan, through the world of Power Rangers and Power Rangers accessories. And uh, I think everything that we've been trying to do for the past about half of like past six months or so have been finally leading to this which is shattered grid the first comics crossover event in power rangers history yeah we're finally here yeah it's like it's been on the horizon for so long i, I can't believe it and the credits for this particular crossover so this one's gonna get a little involved just because it does involve two series so all of the issues that were written uh, for MMPR, com- the MMPR comic were written by Kyle Higgins. So who did our prelude, the interlude, uh, chapters 1 and 2, 5, 7, 9, 11 through 12. I should note I'm reading this from the uh, deluxe hardcover edition uh, that was provided to us by Boom Studios. Well, rather, it's the PDF of the hardcover edition, but still. Our go-go issues were written by Ryan Parrott, who did the interlude chapters 4, 6, 8, and 10. The prelude was illustrated by uh, Jonas Scarf. So the prelude for this was technically the last issue of year two. Danielle Dinicullo with Simona Di Gianfelice did the issues for uh, MMPR that I mentioned that Kyle Higgins wrote. Dan Mora did the art for Go-Go Power Rangers. And then the interlude and the last chapter were done by Diego Galindo. Colors for the prelude were was Joanna Lafuente. Walter Biamonte did the colors for the MMPR issues. Raul Angulo did the colors for the Go-Go issues. And Marcelo Costo did the uh, colors for the interlude in chapter 12. And letters for all of it were by Ed Dugshire, as always. The cover art for the deluxe edition was done by Goni Montez, who also does covers for the entire series. As you know, Boom does a lot of variant covers, so uh, it's hard to rattle off everybody. And then the Shattered Bolt uh, design that you see with all the Shattered Grid um, iconography was designed by Darren Bennett. But uh, I guess some of you may be wondering, I don't know how many, but some of you may be wondering to yourself, well, what is Shattered Grid or what is Shattered Grid about? So we'll pick up from where we last left off with the comics and say, Following the events of Saba's death, Dracon is back on the loose through the multiverse. When he kills the Tommy of this universe and causes the timeline to begin the fracture, the team has to pull themselves together to save all of Ranger reality. Luckily, they have some help from across the multiverse along the way. Not going on. Yeah, so as we said, it's involved. It's a crossover. Um, I will say yeah. that for a lot of... <laughs> 
uh, especially when we were involving the Go-Go issues, which I have read that Go-Go arc three times now. <laughs> yeah, we've read it like three times now at this point. <laughs> and that my feeling when I finally, like when I finally read that arc of Go-Go Power Rangers, when the, then the actual context of Shattered Grid, it was like that scene from Futurama with Fry in the movie theater going, I get it. Minute later, oh, now I get it. <laughs> because it's like, oh, now everything actually fully makes sense because you now know why, like, what's kind of going on with Kimberly. I mean, a lot of the Ranger, Sp- Ranger Slayer stuff is contained in GoGo, but like, now you kind of have the full idea of like what she was doing and like what's been kind of going on with that versus like kind of just like, eh, you know, it takes place technically before Shattered Grid. We're just going to wing it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, as, but yeah, it's just like, so to finally kind of get what was going on there and kind of get a little bit more background to the Shattered Grid episodes of Hyperforce as well, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. now everything is totally clear. Also, kind of weird yeah. to think Vesper doesn't have an arm while they are, when they, like, they zap into the future or zap into that yeah. dimension. <laughs> oh yeah. But anyway, and Sid noted this, and I definitely agree, is that this is kind of what uh, Dimensions in Danger should have been. I'm not naming names of probably who uh, hindered Dimensions Endangered, but it's more than likely Billionaire Supreme, uh, Haim Saban. Yeah, like, most likely. But yeah, so Dimensions Endangered kind of had a similar vibe, like, like had a vibe of like, oh yeah, we're gonna have, like, we're gonna establish a Power Rangers multiverse, and, you know, everything's gonna be in danger, and, like, these these rangers have to get together and figure it out, but, like, which is essentially the overarching, like, very generalized narrative of Shattered Grid, but it is, uh... Yeah. <laughs> Dimensions in Danger is way less effective, because it, it essentially, as we have yeah. bitched before, just becomes the look at how cool Tommy Oliver is show. Yeah, it very much just came quickly, look how cool Tommy is, and... I'm starting to love Tommy again, I guess, in a lot of ways. It there was nothing really in danger. It, it almost felt like it was preluding to something like this going on, but it was just it was just there, and it's just like, okay, I guess we we see people we want to catch up with, but we don't get to catch up with them. Right. Go real cool, Tommy is, and instead with Shattered Grid, you get uh like, you get well one Tommy is mostly uh not alive. Not really dead either, but he's not around for most of this. You really just more deal with Tommy's, the most evil version of Tommy, uh-huh. which is Lord Draken. Right. So it's not like, look how cool Tommy is. It's more of like, look how broken of a person Tommy could have been. Right. And you're, you know, you're dealing with, you know, mainly, and we'll get to him. You're mainly dealing with like Jason and Kimberly's just survivor guilt and trying to be Power Rangers, particularly Jason trying to be leader while dealing with all this, you actually do catch with the Rangers that do show up and have a part. You do catch up somewhat with them. You do catch up with a little bit with Jen. She kind of becomes almost a mentor figure. Like we'll we'll talk about. There's a little bit with Lauren Sheba, which thank God, Lauren gets a character. Yeah, <laughs> like for once, uh, it's there- very exciting. Yeah, uh, there's the weird shit with like Ninja Steel. Yeah, uh, it, it but it. it yeah, but it it actually just felt like okay, we're seeing these characters they're actually being utilized. 
So the like dimensions in danger. I, this is one of the things I guess I don't like about when they do these mega events is if, hey, look at these older rangers that you probably want to catch up with a little bit, even though you're cool with how their story ended. But we're not going to focus on them. Right. Fuck them. Right. <laughs> so kind of along with like driving home the fact that Power Rangers is a multiverse now and kind of always has been uh, or should have been from the start. I've taught you well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also kind of like gets like kind of does the thing that we all kind of want those like anniversary specials or crossovers to do is to kind of just have us like check in a little bit with the other ranger team instead of like here they are in the background now we're gonna focus mostly on mmpr or the current ranger team or whatever yeah and uh, one of the other things i noticed that you know it also kind of brings everybody together in a cool fight yeah the way that you know the ending of mega force didn't really do yeah but uh you know people people you know i don't think i'm trying to be nice but it's uh, about people who only like the cool fights but if you do like the cool fights they do actually have a cool fight at the end yeah you know you know it's um it definitely did things more right on that and yeah, it really did drive home, like, this is a multiverse now. And it adds kind of that good flavoring Power Rangers really needed mm-hmm. to have it being, to really explain why all that timeline nonsense is there and why nothing, sometimes stuff doesn't connect or doesn't work. It is like, yeah, because we're seeing all sorts of timelines. Yep. And also one of the fu- fun things it introduces to is the morphing grid. Yeah, so we've been kind of talking around it, especially for the past few months of recording and such, about, like, how the morphing grid, especially in later era Power Rangers, becomes less of a kind of a just a MacGuffin catch-all for, like, weird mystic shit that happens in Power Rangers. Mm -hmm. I mean... It is that, yes. It is. But, like... The Morphing Grid did it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, like, it, it, the Morphing Grid did it. It's the Power Rangers version of A Wizard Did It. Like... <laughs> yeah. You can just hand wave a bunch of weird inconsistencies about that away with it. But, like, now we're actually starting to get, like, actual, like, lore and background on the Morphing Grid and kind of how it works in a way. But yeah, we, like we're starting to get some idea, but we have nowhere near the full picture at this point, which is kind of yes. exciting in a weird way, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little excited about this, too, because this is like I really hadn't had time to when the comics came out. So much shit was happening in my life that I really just did not have time to delve into that. And then recently, Boom Studios did announce that they have their next kind of, like, big crossover event within Power Rangers coming up, which is, I mean, obviously they have the 30th anniversary special comic that is coming out. But now they also have uh, Darkest Hour, which is starting in uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number 111 and is expected to go throughout the next 12 months, uh, which I believe is in, uh, starts in August. So go August, 2023 to August, 2024. So that's like kind of just the next arc that they have been building on. I think it involves like Mistress Vile and kind of all of that, like that shit that has been kind of going on with Power Rangers Unlimited and all that. But yeah, everything that kind of started with that, like, like we see continuing forth, is, I feel like starts here and starts with like the weird morphing grid shit that they've been alluding to. And 
so I think there's just there's a lot going on, and I'm very interested in it. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that's like it's something new to me too, like mm-hmm. something refreshing to me as a Power Rangers fan that's been here forever. <laughs> I wish I wasn't. <laughs> uh, yeah, I hear the regret in your voice. It's fine. <laughs> but it, you know, it, it's one of those. It's like we're finally acknowledging something more. And actually kind of applying it to the series. Like, like I've said in, in recent, recently going over this, it's like, the, the comics are canon to the show, but they're not necessarily, like, in a way that you need to, to read them. Right. They're more of, like, they're canon in the show of, like, I think I told this to Kurt, it's almost just like, the show has its own, not, like, seasoning you put on it. And this is MSG. Right. <laughs> it just enhances. It. Right. And, you know, and um, it just enhances the flavor that's already there. So it's like, people are weird. Oh, it's that kid. It's like, it's canon. Yeah. Okay, this is canon. But it's canon in a way that it's like, this is stuff you don't need to recognize or know about. It has its own, obviously, timeline. Mm-hmm. But it's canon to a show, which it's so funny because half of you bitches are into like multiversal shit anyway. They just don't. What is your roadblock with Power Rangers? They just don't want to read the comics. That's it. Yeah, that's probably yeah. it. I mean, to which TV show? Like, okay. Wow, I, I have opinions on fans. Right. Um, which this this kind of ties into something this uh you know not only like story-wise and everything this does is feels definitely more for the adult fans yeah so like obviously it's not like super dark or anything like i would say this is probably about like a pg-13 level in terms of like violence and kind of the dark shit that's going on but like yeah it's definitely still something that like is keeping in mind the fact that this is, like, the people that are going to be consuming this comic primarily are kind of an older Power Rangers audience. You know, a lot of things that are discussed, hilariously, this ties together with our last episode, a lot of things that are discussed are themes of grief. Right. And going, you know, going through it, which is, you know, something you're not necessarily going to have tackle too much with children. Mm-hmm. Um, how the stuff ends with Dracon is definitely I want to touch later is definitely a more adult feeling mm-hmm. than what they normally do on the show, which is definitely more like everything's happy type feeling. Right. So it, it's definitely keeping in mind their audience is that older fan base. And not only that, I think that's why there's so much exploration of the lore because that's what's left to be explored by an adult audience right. is the lore at this point. Right. Yeah, we already know the rangers and their stories, and, you know, it's always probably good to check in on them, but the lore is kind of what's left unexplored and untapped. No, I I definitely agree with that. I think, and this is kind of giving a good way to explore that without, like, again, bogging down from, like, we know that, like, the MMPR rangers that we see are their own multiverse versus, like, the ones that are in the comics. Kind of similar to what they've been doing with the Buffy comics over at Boom Studios as well. But yeah, so I guess now that we've kind of talked about the plot and stuff, let's move on to the characters. Now, we're going to kind of do something a little bit different here just because we have, we did talk about like the first two years of the comics a couple of months ago. And since this is an ongoing comic, um, 
kind of what they did here is that not all of the rain, while all the rangers are featured, or at least our main MMPR rangers are featured, not all of them really got a focus. So just to kind of save a little bit of time and make sure that we actually have stuff to discuss instead of just being like, yeah, that happened, and then have nothing really to say, we're going to mainly talk about the MMPR rangers that got focus, kind of the guest stars, and then other moments that we liked. So we're going to start with our our MMPR rangers and who really got focused. So we're going to start with uh, Kimberly Hart. And uh, oh boy, yeah. she's going through it in Shattered Grid. <laughs> yeah, so as we mentioned, Tommy kind of dies in Shattered Grid at the beginning, but not really. So she's starting to kind of get com- like we, we, we when we look at the beginning of this, it's definitely like Tommy's been a part of the team for a while and they're still like flirting and stuff. And they finally go on a date. And she like they go in to kind of kiss or something. And she just kind of like, hey, no, uh I, maybe some other time. You know, when she's walking away, she's beating herself up. You wanted to kiss Tommy. Yeah. So she runs back to just go and find him so she can actually kiss him. And uh as she is running back to him. Uh, Dracon arrives and stabs him through the back. Yeah, like, and uh, Tommy dies in her arms, basically. Yeah, and so, and then the entire like she basically she like transforms to try to fight Dracon. Jen Scott shows up out of fucking nowhere, starts blasting. Um. Yep. And then basically she starts trying to ask jen for help jen passes out and yeah tommy basically dies in her arms just died in your arms oh my god shut the fuck up (laughs) (laughs) and yeah so you know it's definitely this whole thing you basically see her definitely going through a bunch of survivor guilt over tommy yeah like man i should have been like i should have been there earlier maybe i could have stopped it you know, he should be alive right now. And this is also, like, dealing with, like, that fresh divorce of her parents. Like, I'm guessing it's been, like, a year, maybe a few months since it's happened. Yeah, because, um, so as we mentioned in, like, when we were talking about the credits, is that the arc that was happening, the Shattered Grid arc that was happening in Go-Go kind of is actually happening a year before the events in the MMPR comic. And I'm not certain about the rest of the, like, Shattered Grid, um, trade paperbacks or anything like that but the go-go arc in the in the in the deluxe hardcover they weave it through cert like the other issues of mmpr so you get these flashbacks to about a year ago when her parents are first like first separate and are getting divorced and kind of how she's dealing with that so now so that you know that when she's in like the, the part that they are currently ta- the timeline they're currently in uh so that's still something that's really fresh for her and it's not just, like, it's also, like, not just that she's got the survivor's guilt and all that. Like, when she finds out that Jen's a time traveler, like, I think part of her, like, bargaining process, like, I know that the five stages of grief are kind of, or have been vastly debunked at this point. But, like, for shorthand at this point, we're just going to say this is her bargaining process. It's when she finds out that Jen's mm-hmm. a time traveler and a time cop, she tries to, like, appeal to Jen to go back in time and save Tommy. And Jen yeah, has to, like, tell her, like, let her down, like, let her down easy and just say, it doesn't work like that. Like, I can't, I can go into the future and, like, but I can't go back and, like, save, like, I can't go back and, 
I, I can't go back mm-hmm. and undo what had already happened there. And she gives this whole thing about like, you know, even if I were to do that, it's going to change stuff. Yeah. You know, and she talks about what happened with her and Alex. Yeah. Um, you know, and how like Alex was a completely different person when he came back and I was a different person, you know, and it kind of goes into like. Yeah, we could change it, but it would change stuff enough for you that you don't know what would actually happen. Yeah, which we'll we'll talk about that a little bit more when we kind of when we get to Jen. Though I did like the fact that Jen, in some cases, she kind of has to give the the little bit of the older sister talk to to Kim. Yeah, and that was definitely kind of the older yeah. sister, like you know i'll mm-hmm. I'll tell you about my relationship of stuff and like how it can apply to like this is my advice of why not to do this yeah why we shouldn't time travel to t- like to to make sure tommy's alive right um uh so on top of all of this is that like she kind of has this added pressure of stepping up to be a leader or stepping up to the plate to be a leader and trying to save the multiverse while she is just absolutely racked with like grief and guilt over losing tommy which you know that's hard enough mm-hmm. to deal with anything like that to begin with like now you got to actually deal with saving the multiverse while you're like at, you're just depressed as fuck <laughs> though a cool thing that's kind of a consequence of that is that she gets to wear the dragon shield and like command the dragon zord which is really cool <laughs> yeah no that was um it was pretty good. Uh, oddly, I think that was kind of her, ex- weirdly, since we were talking about the stages of grief, that was kind of her acceptance face. Yeah, and, yeah, like, like, it's a really nice moment in the comic, too, because basically, like, Jason, who's kind of has to step up to be the de facto, well, obviously, like said, Kimberly steps up to be a leader to- of the team at this point, but, like, Jason's kind of, like, the the face of the team at this point, I guess, and he's the one that's kind of rallying everybody, so kind of a parallel to the jason in the coinless universe who was trying to step up to be the leader and get the white dragon not the white dragon the white tiger coin Mm -hmm. uh before everything went to shit but in the like in the moment when they're like like rallying together for the final battle he steps up to kimberly and asks like ask her to pilot the the dragon megazord and she's like it it doesn't have the pterodactyl and he's like oh i know and then hands her the dragon dagger and, like, she starts crying, and it's, like, and she, like, so she's at, tells Jason thank you, and she gets to finally wear the dragon shield, and it's just so cool. It's so cool. Like, and I really, I really did love that emotional moment, too, because it shows, like, you know, Jason, obviously, we're going to talk about him stepping up as a leader, but it shows, like, how he knew how important it was for Kim to at least have some closure with Tommy. Yeah, you know? and, like. And that, that was and a way for her to do that and the colors on that particular part of like where she's crying and the sun's coming up it's just so it's so beautiful yeah it really is um so we're not gonna dwell on the ranger slayer too much just because we've talked at length about about three years ago at this point or four four years ago yeah fuck we've been doing this podcast for so long um we have been. <laughs> yeah but we've, we've talked at le- we talked at length about oh, ranger slayer there and that whole arc of like past kim like kim as she currently is having to meet like her evil her evil alternate universe future self and so like we're not gonna dwell too long on the ranger slayer but it is to finally get to see 
everything that was going on with the Ranger Slayer and one, understand how that plays in with Kimberly in this current storyline and how she's dealing with all of this. And two, to also see, uh, one, why, what, what was she even doing at the very end of that go-go arc? And it was literally, um, oh, she's doing something to ensure that Tommy is not going to, uh, meet the fate that we think he's going to meet. Yeah. And then Grace, like, meeting up with her at the very end to drag her into helping save the rain, help save those rangers from Dracon's moon prison. Yes. So, which sets it up for uh, Beyond the Grid, which we are covering Beyond the Grid soon, though it's not going to be our next episode, but soon. Um, so, yeah, it's it's so it's cool to finally get to see everything with the Ranger Slayer in the more proper context of everything that was going on. So, obviously, we're not dwelling on it too much, but we know she's going to come back again. So we'll have more stuff to talk about in the future, which is very exciting. We love her character design. So. Yeah, gay, gay, homosexual, gay. Oh. Also, I'm starting to really like like stuff from the coin list. Yeah, so, yeah. I will say the um the deluxe edition came with like a like an extra story about what happened to Kimberly after she got brainwashed and going yeah. in and like infiltrating the the, the base of like kind of our our coin list like uh, rangers that aren't dead and like it has this really this moment with her and trini like after like she's been brainwashed and trini is just like trini is just she's gone trini in the coinless universe has gone through so fucking much like give this girl Mm -hmm. a break desperately (laughs) yeah and you can like tell by the way she's talking and she just so desperately wants to save Right, like coinless cat, yeah, Ranger Slayer cat, but she can't really because it's like, like, yeah, yeah, just the timing and everything is just not going to work out. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so I think we've covered everything we can about Kimberly, so let's move on to our uh, Jason, who uh, he kind of gets way more focus in this arc than he has in the previous arcs. Yeah, they, I, I it's one of those. It's like Jason when like we we've like I feel like. Zach got more of a thing with the MMPR stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, Trini was actually more of like a focal person than Jason was in the first arc of Go Go, and Jason was kind of like her little her little boyfriend. Yeah, <laughs> her little her little friend. So, <laughs> her little friend. And so now we actually, you know, with some of the character stuff we have seen from that, we're now seeing that. Like, we're seeing a little bit more focus, which is, this is essentially, like, a big coming-of-age arc. Like, it's bringing in stuff with what he's learned from being a leader to, like, stuff around his dad and having, like, cancer and all that. Mm -hmm. And he's basically, he's learning, he's learning how to be a man and and stepping up and being leader. Oh, for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, so, especially, like, after Tommy's death and, like, he has to um kind of navigate that and it ends up kind of just end up being a very natural continuation for everything that was going on in gogo with like yeah everything that was happening with his dad and trying to figure out you know how to approach things as one like what is the mature thing to do in this situation and also how to approach tough situations as a team yeah so i feel like 
I, I do like the fact that the go-go issues deal with that. So that way they're kind of see, you see that character arc for Jason a little bit more. Yeah. Almost like a refresher on that. Mm-hmm. And uh, definitely also like Tommy. Um, he, I know he was one of the last people to trust Tommy and like Tommy finally integrated with the team you know, that's his friend, and he's dealing with the fact that I couldn't save this guy in the end. Yeah. And <laughs> somehow, and also, and also just losing a team member. Yeah. Um, And that's why, like, I think we both noted this, that the, there's a scene in, um, when they're at Tommy's funeral really early on that really stuck out where he has to kind of walk away from the actual funeral service because he is he's grieving so much it just doesn't want everybody to see him break down yeah it's almost as if it's like i have to hold it together for my team mm-hmm. but i can't right now like i need to i need to walk away right. and i think zach's the one who ends up coming and talking to him and again you see kind of zach being that friend to him mm-hmm. and you know like hey bro we got you like it's it's okay yeah and then so something that's also interesting kind of about like Jason having to be a leader is that so the deluxe edition at least starts with the last issue of the previous uh, of the previous arc. So mm-hmm. kind of just was the which was quote unquote the prelude to Shattered Grid of where they had to confront Grace Sterling about keeping Dracon locked up. And so at that point, like, obviously, like, Jason is not very trustworthy of Grace and everything that, you know, sh- like, the her methods of why she does what she does. Zordon in that one says, let's see, I promise Jason Lee Scott that you will experience what it is like to make the wrong decision for the right reasons. And yeah, that actually does come back later because he does go up to Grace and, like, realizing that, like, with everything that's currently happening, he kind of does have a little bit more of an understanding of, you know, why, obviously, like, holding Drac on prison like that is not the quote-unquote right decision. Mm-hmm. But she was clear, she was trying to do it for the right reasons, which was yeah. preventing this. <laughs> yeah. And Saba had to go fuck it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, I felt that was good, I guess, echoing storytelling going on with, because you have Grace, when you do find out her time as a Power Ranger, like, she lost nearly everybody on her team Mm -hmm. as Red Ranger. This was her first time also being a Red Ranger and all that. Right. And so, now, like, now you have Jason understanding what it's like to lose someone under your team. Right. You know, under your command. And it kind of... Like, not only that, like, discussion, I felt like he definitely now has more understanding of why she is the way she is. 100%. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, I kind of like all those little connections that kind of happen in this. It's like, you have characters that kind of echo each other, and that's one of them. Our next character focus, it's kind of weird, because he's just kind of, uh, dead for most of the time, is, uh... This version of Tommy Oliver. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. So, Tommy, for most of this issue, like, most of this uh, particular arc, like, he's... The Tommy we see is Lord Draken. 
Like, not the Tommy that we've gotten yeah. to know in the previous, like, two years of the comic. As we said, we finally understand what Ranger Slayer Kim was doing in Go-Go, and she actually shot him with part of the Chaos Crystal, which... I, I, you make the joke it's yours I made the joke it was the everything yeah i made the joke in the group chat it's like oh my god he got shot with the everything bagel from everything everywhere at once <laughs> and i ended up making the joke because when he died his basically his consciousness or soul uh he went to a place where basically everything and everywhere all at once was happening oh my god yeah it was so basically, yeah, he was just kind of floating around the grid, just being like, uh, I can see everything now. I am Interface. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so yeah, he's able to kind of see everything, and, um, and this basically allows him to be able to come back, um, later in the story, which, um, was kind of weird Morthen Grid bullshit, but... Um, I found that this, like, with his story, he's almost very, uh, the comics version of, of Tommy, obviously, has a very, like, one-to-one with Draken, except in the end, this Tommy never chose to go with Rita. Mm-hmm. And whereas Draken did, for whatever reasons, and I feel like because this Tommy really kind of understood kindness, really understood teamwork, and had, you know, had, pe- you know, he, maybe he had people rooting for him. I don't know. We don't know full story of what went on with Draken, but he's that foil to Draken at the end because of that. Like, he's the closest to Draken there is. Mm-hmm. And because of that, he was able to defeat him. Defeat him with the power of friendship and this gun Dr. K gave him. <laughs> um, yeah, basically. <laughs> so, but also, interestingly, besides, like, getting to see this comics Tommy and, like, Lord Draken, who is our, uh, as they establish in the comic, the, apparently the only version of Tommy in the entire multiverse that is evil. Um, <laughs> which we'll get to that. <laughs> who joined up with Rita. To join up with Rita, yeah. <laughs> specifically. So we'll get that. Uh, we'll talk about that more. But interestingly, we also see Zeo Tommy at one point. Which I think the Zio yeah. timeline, I want to say that actually takes place in the 90s, but I'm, I'm not 100 on that. Anyway, so yeah, we do actually get to see Zio Tommy, which we have both noted, gay, gay, homosexual, gay. <laughs> like, oh my god, you are so gay for Jason. Yeah. Uh, I know Draken was kind of playing being him being gay for Jason, maybe, but I'm like, no, you two are yeah. gay. But uh, I love that because, well, one, you saw... Uh, basically like whatever happened to jason at the you know between zeo and turbo and it just turns out jason wanted to retire yep and uh they ended up planning something for jason like it was mainly it sounded like rocky's idea which ties into like this whole episode arc where rocky was just like why why is everyone in love with jason not me i replaced him (laughs) where rocky gave jason the old defunct tyrannosaurus morph yeah and was like, hey, like, we made this for you, we made a plaque for you, and we're, we're you know, they have him a send-off, and, like, Jason is talking to Tommy about, like, what basically makes Tommy so special. Yeah. And, of course, Draken's like, why does everyone like you? 
Yeah, and so, like, Dinner's everything was really nice up until, you know, Dracon kidnapped Tommy, stole Adam's uh, morpher, and uh, killed Tommy. <laughs> yeah, that's going great. But, uh, yeah, gay, gay, homosexual. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy Tommy just always feels a little flavor of gay, no matter what multiverse he's Yeah, in. even the multiverse where he's married, like. <laughs> he and Cat are just two bisexuals that got together. Let's yeah, go. honestly. <laughs> All right. Um. Okay, so we kind of, those are our, kind of our main MMPR rangers, and we'll talk a little bit more about some interactions we liked with the other MMPR rangers in a bit, but we're going to kind of move on to our, like, guest starring rangers for this arc, uh, which is aka the rangers who are not on the MMPR team. Uh, so we're going to start with uh, Lauren Sheba, the Red Samurai Ranger, which, hell yeah, it's Lauren, baby. Yeah, we actually, um, you know, basically after the doozy that was Samurai, um, dealing with lauren we now kind of check back with that team uh, and you know she's you know she seems more settled as a team leader she's wiser and older and she's kind of sassy and we very much liked going back to lauren yeah so i think because it's like um which again it's just a great choice to have her over jaden because it's like Jaden's time with the team, like at the end of Samurai, he he left. Like he, him and G left to go ride motorcycles off into the sunset. So his purpose was he felt you know it feels like my purpose is done mm-hmm. here. I no longer have to be the false leader of the clan. You know you can you can kind of take over. Yeah. I may be visit. I may visit every now and then to to smooch Antonio, but that's it. Yeah. So um. So, yeah, I just kind of get to see Lauren as a little bit more of an established character, which is really cool. And, like, interestingly, she ends up kind of bonding with Jason a bit. Um, there's, yeah. there's, like, a hint of a I, bit of a I, romantic I, thing, but obviously they never really go past, like, getting to know each other. Yeah. I didn't sense that, but uh, I, maybe I, I just kind of like, oh, they're being friends. And I just didn't notice. <laughs> I mean, they obviously became really good friends. Yeah. It's like, it's a hint of a, a romance, but like nothing, again, it doesn't, they don't consummate anything. So like, besides the fact, like, yeah. I, I'm glad, I, I'm really glad I got to know you too. Like. Yeah. It's just, it's, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. I feel like the bond really, because when Jason was talking to her and everything, I feel like the bond really kind of came from the fact that Lauren also shares with Jason a failure. Mm-hmm. Like. This is what I, you know, this is what I trained to be as a Red Ranger. You know, my father failed prior. He made an imperfect seal. So it was my job to make the perfect seal. And I couldn't right. do it. And, you know, this is where I am now. And, you know, and she's really, and she's letting Jason, like, talk everything out. And I just love her. And he was like, hey, I fight with demons all the time. It's kind of my job. So, you know, inner demons, that's easy. Yeah. I, <laughs> you know, basically, she's like, yeah, I, just, I love the scene of them talking in the Zord while they're running to Corinth. It's so good. Yeah, it's it's definitely like there, there's definitely kind of that bond of like we both failed over something. But hey, you know, I picked up myself. I uh, you know, I'm still here and with it. You can clearly, you can still be here. You know, it's okay. Yeah, these are moments we don't really get in Power Rangers that often in the crossover specials. So like it's like I like seeing moments like that, especially with again these rain like Rangers who have experienced failure. Yeah. All right, you know, I th- that was a lot about um, Lauren, and I think we can move on to our next ranger, which is Jen Scotts from Time Force. The Jen! The, the Jen! Jen. 
I don't know why I read the Moloids from like uh, Matt Fraction's FF run, like the fucking aliens from <laughs> Toy Story, but it works, especially for it's the Gen, the Gen. <laughs> That's how I feel every time Jen Scott shows up in anything. <laughs> You're just like biggest pop for Jen. Yeah, like Jen. Jen, I think it's fair to say Jen is one of my favorite Rangers of all time. So, yeah. and like, how could how could she not be? Like, honestly, <laughs> this is it's like this is very Ashley. So yes, this is very predictable. <laughs> Shut up! But also yes. <laughs> but also yes, Jen fucking rules. So. This is hinted in our uh, intro this month. One of the things hinted is she comes through the time rift after Draken killed her entire team. And, you know, Mm -hmm. as we kind of stated, she, like, passes out after, you know, basically coming into Kimberly's timeline and, you know, and everything. (laughs) Yeah, like... Notice that she started, like, as I mentioned previously, she started blasting at Dracon before she passed out, but, like, yeah. oh, yeah, Jim was going through a lot within what I assume is about a ten-minute span. <laughs> For her, anyway. Yeah. But, y- <laughs> yeah, so, basically, once she comes to, like, she's the one who, like, kind of does the ex- well, I don't know if it's an exposition dump so much, but she's the one who gives a bunch of the backstory of, like, okay, here's what's going on with your timeline and everything and uh this is who's this is who draken is or even i don't even think she fully knows who draken is but she knows that like he's fucked up the timeline and so so she's the one who like kind of gives them like the backstory of like everything that's going on and kind of like what's at stake in terms of like the timeline and what's going on and uh the fact that they have to save it otherwise Everything's fucked. Yeah. It's like, can we fix it? No, it's fucked. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty and, much. Um. Yeah. And because of this, she's kind of, she's mainly the mentor of this arc. She's kind of the one who's more or less helping people, like, gather gather themselves and gather, you know, everything. And coming up with strategies, obviously, with Jason to mm-hmm. kind of go through this because she's the one with kind of the most knowledge being a time cop and we kind of know it's like zordon kind of really lets her take the wheel on this like okay you know what you're doing and i'm zordon and i'm very different than i was so you go ahead <laughs> yeah i mean because obviously like being from the future um she's kind of gonna know more in this situation of what's going on than he does so yeah. uh yeah so zordon definitely knows when to defer <laughs> yeah and one of the things we also mentioned she really was that steadying presence for kimberly who you know like yeah jen you know she obviously went through the whole thing with like alex dying in her arms and everything so she understands a lot where kimberly's coming from and she's able to kind of draw upon like you know with lauren and jason obviously where you know where lauren was able to draw upon her experiences of failure like Jen was able to draw upon her experiences with like not only being a time cop but like losing someone and also like hey when you lose someone and they come back yet yeah, they they're not the same yeah and like obviously she means that in kind of just a 
general way, like not a he's gonna come back wrong way, but yeah. you know, Alex did <laughs> no. come back Alex did come back a little bit wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's it's I know George has talked to us about it and it sounds a very not quite Stephen King, but nearly there. Uh, uh I mean Dr. Ferrix, he's he's slightly removed from some of the scientists and fucking um with Sombra. <laughs> like <laughs> Just throwing that out there. But anyway, um, but it's more of the sense about, like, yeah, it's, like, it's one of those cases, it's like, yeah, things are, like, things can change, and, like, going back in time can, like, and undoing something like that, especially with death, can, you know, can drastically, like, change the timeline, and, you know, think, like, not, it's not gonna be what you expect anymore. Yeah. Um. It's not and, clean. Like, yeah, and that's like it's interesting about like I Kim kind of like calls her on that in terms of like are you worried that your team's not going to be the same if you get them back? And she doesn't have an answer. Yeah. <laughs> Which I I just found that to be a very interesting moment. Um but I think yeah, she kind of has to be the like the older sister/steadying presence to Kim who is going through that, you know, like, who is going through that grieving process and is just trying to find, like, if, you know, if we can go back and forth with time through so much, like, why can't I say, why can't I go back and save Tommy is basically what's going on Mm -hmm. there. So there's, like, a great moment towards the end when, um, basically they call across the universe, like, the multiverse to try to, like, summon extra rangers to help with the battle. And the one who's, like, right up front when they make that call is Eric. And so there's this really great moment when, and after these rangers show up, that um, her and Eric share a hug. And she just says that she's super happy to see him and super happy that he's there. Yeah. And uh, we cried. It, we're not. We're not afraid to admit it. <laughs> yeah, we. Cry. It was just like you know, she's she's already been through like so much. She just watched like her team die. And it's like at least you're alive. You're an you're our asshole, but you're still an asshole that I'm glad is alive. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> you know, and Eric's. It, it sounds like Eric is aware of the situation. It is just like yeah, no, I'm here for you. you know, yeah, which is just it's like it's such a nice moment. Like I think that she really needed after all of that yeah like i noticed that they they did kind of these brief mashups and i'm glad that was kind of theirs was was with with jen was like hey not not everyone's lost and you get to see eric again as much as he's a jerk you know he's there for you 100 percent so i kind of covered the rangers so we're gonna move on to our allies and mentors uh which we kind of just mainly have um well we have a few so our first one is obviously is Zordon, who um, kind of continuing through his own arc from the last one and through here is that one of the main things he ends up doing is that he goes and goes to reason with the Emissaries 3, uh, which are kind of our first hint at like the bigger picture with the Morphin Grid. Yeah. Um, and Sid notated thing is that no, Sid notated here is that his main thing is how much he's willing to, quote-unquote, violate the Prime Directive now. <laughs> yeah. Because the way the emissaries kind of talked with him, it's like, you know, because he, he really cares about his team of teenagers now. And 
the way he would kind of talk about things in the past, and it was actually, I think, good that they brought up, like, the whole thing with Jason and his, his father having cancer, and it's like, no, I can't interfere with that, and, like, kind of how he treated Sterling and her team and everything, and mm-hmm. to see him now being like, I don't care if, like, you guys don't care about what I'm trying to say here with 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 the with you guys, but we got to do something with this team. Like we're you know he he's basically pleading to save this team to save the morphing grid, and he he's willing to kind of violate stuff that sounds like that there's there. Like I said, violate the prime directive, right? You know he kind of comes he kind of comes from like a like like more of a Picard type character that he's now a little bit more like season like three or four Cisco mm-hmm. where it's like I care about my team first and foremost fuck the prime director I'm starting to think fuck right. the shit you know right <laughs> I'm actually in this goddamn war you're not <laughs> right <laughs> you know? so he he just definitely that's kind of his, his for what we see of him that's definitely his arc is just he's detached from the the kids to now no i i care for them i want them to be safe there's something going on that threatens their safety and they need help like can you give me help here they've grown so much and of course the emissaries are like no fuck that nonsense by the way when you like die you can't be a part of us <laughs> Yeah, like, that's the fucked up part, is that basically, uh, he is basically risking, like, eternity within the grid after he dies to, like, make this, like, like, make this plea to the emissaries and the Morphin Masters, and, uh, basically, he gets told no, and, uh, like, like, uh, he knows that it's a risk, and then he's willing to take that risk, but it's still just kind of a kick in, like, kicking the crotch just to see that like nope zordon's basically not seeing ranger heaven <laughs> <laughs> he's not seeing ranger mentor heaven then again ranger, neither is rj yeah. yeah neither is rj so maybe they can like smoke weed and ranger mentor purgatory yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah he it, it's because one of the things i did like about the zordon is he is much very much a character as opposed oh, yeah. to, like, you know, the Zordon in the TV series where he's kind of a character, but he's kind of, like, a benevolent character. And then, you know, in the movie where he's just a firm fucking asshole. Right. He just really more or less wants revenge on Rita for betraying them. So it, it's kind of nice to see kind of this, this, you know, detached figure who's like, no, I got to do things the right way and everything to kind of, you know, kind of come to this, like, no, I care about these kids. You know, I am no longer going to be that detached soul. I care about them. So we'll right. see where that, where that takes him. But as I noticed, he goes firmly from we have food at home to fucking I don't want to cook. McDonald's it is. <laughs> yeah. This is not quite chanting for McDonald's, 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 but definitely is floating within that direction. Yeah, it's it's in the spirit of that. Um, other big mentor figure um, that comes up is kind of the 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 last of our guest stars is uh, Doctor K. You love Doctor yes. K. Yes, 
Yeah, so basically, like, it starts, Dr. K's arc in this kind of starts with, like, the mini story that was in the annual about how Dracon tries to get her to join him because they're so much alike. um, Yeah. And that they're just trying to seek, like, like, saving the world and making a perfect world. Um, and, and, and we and we and we ended up committing genocide, but that's okay, right? Yeah, and like the thing is, is that he doesn't realize Doctor K like deeply has deep guilt about what happened. So she calls, like, basically she calls him his bluff and fucking whips out a gun. <laughs> yeah, she's like, "I'm gonna fucking shoot you, you bitch." <laughs> yeah. Now, like, it's implied that she did not know that it was an android; that she was just. She just knew that he was going to be a dangerous presence and needed to get the fuck out. Yep. Um, so this arc would have been over a lot sooner if that was the real Dracon. <laughs> but oh, wow. it was not- <laughs> Are you saying that sometimes defending yourself is a good thing? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so um so Dr. K throughout this is that she's obviously does kind of the tech work to figure out how to um, counteract like the demorphing cannons that uh, Dracon is utilizing to basically to steal morphers from the other rangers. Yeah. Um, and so basically like her and the RPM rangers kind of have to hold the line in Corinth against, um, against Dracon and his forces. Uh, and it leads to this moment where she has to like, really makes this tough choice to let the dome in Corinth come down in order to save basically, you know, the rest of the multiverse. Yeah. Oof. You know, and Dr. K needs more guilt. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's a rough moment. Cause you just can see it on her face that like, she knows it's the necessary decision to do at this point, but it is, unequivocally like a a very hard decision like because this is basically like the last of the world is now at risk of vengex and everything else going on yeah so it's like Um, this better work out at the end or else you know this universe is doomed yeah um now as we noted with this one we we're not certain where exactly in the RPM timeline that this part takes place in. Now, obviously the way that like sh- um, Shattered Grid, like the storyline played out is that at the end, like the timeline resets and everybody forgot what happened. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, Corinth is not going to be everything that happened with Corinth is no longer in danger or anything like that, but we're not certain where technically in the RPM timeline this takes place. Yeah. Um, we don't know if it's post RPM. It's definitely not like the the Dr. K we see in Beast Morphers that's gonna go talk to Nate and tell him that like tell him to kind of get over himself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's just it's like for me, it's like I think it was probably somewhere in RPM because she she she's still dispersonal with the Rangers. Like Right. She's calling you know obviously after her face reveal but she's still calling like them you know ranger series blue or you know ranger series black ranger series green like, she's still giving them these very depersonalized names uh which yeah. is their designation yeah so it's very clear at this point she is still young and working on her shit 
it yeah. does it it's it is post when Jem and Gemma join the team because yeah. Jem and Gemma are in there talking about blowing stuff up like <laughs> but but also you she's annoyed by Ziggy and thinks he's awful <laughs> yeah. yeah especially uh faux pas I guess coming up was right this this all this is now Ashley's horrible uh part of the title which yeah oh yeah yeah this all starts this all started on her birthday <laughs> yeah it's like this this whole thing where like ziggy's like we gotta make her a birthday cake and stuff and she's just like i don't want to celebrate my birthday because like it just brings me back to like everything that happened with alphabet soup and vengex but you know a little bit more concise because it's dr k yeah. or, well not concise but a little bit more um a little less emotional than that, I guess. Maybe a little bit of emotion, but definitely more of like, God damn it, Ranger Series Green, you fucking asshole. Yeah, it's like she doesn't want to celebrate her birthday. She made it clear she didn't want to celebrate her birthday. And yet here he is trying to celebrate her birthday. So, yeah, and it's like, and then all this happens, you know, including Dracon, like, digging all those feelings up and then ha- her having to shut down the dome. Yeah, and so, like, Literally, that's that particular story in the like annual ends with her grabbing, like, because again, it's implied that she didn't know if that dragon was an android or an actual person. Um, mm-hmm. and she's already got dealing with so much guilt that she just takes her birthday cake and just starts eating it and starts crying. It's like, uh, somebody please give Dr. K a break, she needs it. Yeah, looks like by Beast Morphers, you know. She seems a little bit more level-headed. Yeah, Probably going sure. through a lot of therapy. Mm-hmm. And uh, she continues to be part of the story, uh, and it's mostly through, fig- like, doing the tech work, mainly figuring out mm-hmm. how to, to counter out the demorphine cannons. Yeah, so she is... <laughs> and then, like, she's also running tech, like, right before, like, the final battle as well. And, like, she's basically telling all the rangers to line up and, like, keep it moving. Yeah. So that way she can, like, make sure that everybody is going in with what they need. So I guess kind of, have we covered everything with Dr. K? Yeah. I mean, okay. I would like to say that, uh, you know, I think a lot of her driving forces, like, she really wants this to be right. Like, she's, she's you know, she's been reminded of all this. It's her birthday. She's reminded of how she fucked up the world and she may have done it again. I think that that's kind of, like, the driving factor of why she basically works to get this done. Oh, 100%. I think... Yeah, there's a lot of guilt riding with Dr. K, and she, yeah, she, who's filled with more guilt, Dr. K or Kimberly? Ooh, that is a tough question. We'll let our listeners decide. (laughs) Yeah. All right, I think that covers everything we want to talk about with Dr. K, so we're going to move on now to the Emissaries 3, who are the Emissaries of the Morphing Masters, which I guess this is our first, like, official introduction to the concept of the Morphing Masters. They may have been hinted at previously but this is definitely like that first introduction to this concept like this is there's definitely some there's the morphing grid seems like it's done by a bunch of wizards yeah pretty much yeah so and and just as like an fyi we haven't really read any further beyond what's happening in shattered grid so we don't really know a whole lot about what's about to come with the morphin masters um i know we're probably going to encounter them soon when we get to um dino fury yeah uh, but 
Well, uh, we'll get there when we get there. But, like, with the emissaries, they're not the Morphin Masters themselves, but they're kind of, I don't know, they're courier couriers in the same way as, like, um, I guess Silver Surfer to Galactus. Or, you know, the, the biblically accurate Eye Angels. Yes, the the ones that when they say "be not afraid," like "be not afraid." Yeah, it's like it's not "be not afraid." It's "be not afraid." <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, so they like they are basically the people you first approach whenever you want to approach the Morphin Masters. But there's kind of an implication that the the Morphin Masters are not present currently. Yeah. That that was kind of it's definitely like setting up stuff down the line, and we can we can hear George kind of freaking out over our reaction. Yeah, <laughs> I know he's, um, he's about to get rem- excited. <laughs> yeah, they kind of reminded me of like the I can't remember their names, but like it was in um I think it was Operation Overdrive. Oh, like the like that council. I think of, he was like, thinking of Mystic the- Force with the council. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So it kind of yeah. gave me those similar vibes. I, it's like I knew it was a Disney. Era. I, couldn't re- <laughs> I couldn't remember which one it was. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was the one we liked. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so it kind of reminded me of that a little bit. But like, what's something I found interesting about their design is that they're phasing through all of these ranger forms. Yeah, so there's it feels like it's red, blue, and yellow, and they're like going through all of these different ranger forms yeah that that's something i definitely liked was they uh, had kind of it almost felt like they had a specific color but they would just phase through them so i'm like oh that's interesting mm-hmm. um and obviously they're the ones that told zordon no we can't do this and then later they kind of go through it's like yeah we were wrong about the situation we had no idea how much draken was fucking up the grid yeah, our bad, bro. <laughs> our bad, bro. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, we need to do something. But yeah, like that, like that, facing through all those ranger forms, it definitely, as you pointed out, it shows that they are of the grid and that yeah. they are beyond human form at this point. Yeah, and I think also the way they talked with Zordon, uh, not to bring up Deep Space Nine again, but it reminds me of when the prophets talk to like Cisco, really anyone who's in like corporeal form or whatever. It's like, yeah. oh, you are, you know, you are of linear time. You're only seeing things in linear time. We're not. We're seeing things like throughout time all at once and not at all, basically. So definitely that feeling of like they're also beyond our temporal, um, our temporal landscape there, right? The morphine monsters um, are, are like the, the the prophets. Yeah, I, I know we'll talk definitely talk about this more whenever we get to the morphine <laughs> masters for sure. <laughs> we is uh, Rangers plane. You come here for also Trek references. <laughs> Uh, or just you know whatever we're really into at this point (laughs) yeah so uh we're on our last ally she doesn't really she really only appears at the end and uh rita rita yeah rita repulsed as an ally in this what the fuck yeah temporary (laughs) ally mind you but yeah basically they have to come to her and be like we need you to make that green candle again and drain the shit out of his powers 
And initially she's just kind of like, why do I want to do that? Well, because you're a part of existence. Who cares? Fuck y'all. Yeah. She just starts gloating about it and everything. (laughs) (laughs) Like she relishes that Zordon had to come to her. That these, you know, these mentors and, and of all the pesky Power Ranger people, they had to come to her for help on this motherfucker. Yeah. Like... I'm just gonna, I'm pulling up the issue now. It's like, you need my help and yet veiled threats are your best you can muster? Here, here I held such high hopes for this conversation. You think I'm scared about a Power Ranger, much less a Power Ranger ending reality. You're even more foolish than I thought uh, for the last 10,000 years. <laughs> <laughs> we love this bitch. And, like, the smug look on her face when Zordon has to say the words, we need you to save us all. Oh, so good. Yeah. I think that's the image I used when I posted the Instagram story where I put uh, the the course of Megan the Stallion's uh, savage over it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, basically, Rita's just, like, she, she yeah, she relights the green candle and, uh, does it to try to drain Dracon of his powers. It mostly works. Until it yeah. doesn't. <laughs> Until it doesn't. We'll get into that, because that gets into some weird shit. Um, we briefly want to mention Coinless Rita, because we actually do find out... It's hinted at, but we actually do see what happens to her. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Coinless verse, and that is uh, where Dracon portrays her. Yeah, so basically after um, everything that she did to him and for him, uh, he betrays her and stabs her through the chest. Yep. I love that he stabs her, like, she, he, she, he doesn't, I don't think he backstab her, he actually, like, front where stabs her. Yeah, like, he's facing her when it happens. Um, yeah. Shows so how it's cold just, he is. <laughs> yeah, like he basically he stabs so many people throughout all of Bre- this. Like or breaks their necks. Breaks their necks. Like he like he has nobody. Like he he is he is ruthless. I think that's also like a really good show. Cause I think this is like the first like f- him taking physical charge of a death we see. I think uh-huh. we see what happens to like endless uh coinless skull later. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, um, Fenster 5. So it's kind of like the like the preview to like, no, he's re- really the fucking kill people with his hands. At least in the comics. I think we do see it in uh, Hyperforce that he's willing to kill people with his bare hands. Right. <laughs> but yeah, Coinless yeah, Rita uh, backfired on her. So yeah, which uh, surprised it took that long. Yeah. Um. Not so much an ally, but guy who gets kidnapped. And it's Ninjor, baby! <laughs> to our surprise, this mother- This Dudley Do-Right motherfucker comes back. Yeah. And is involved in this deeply serious storyline. <laughs> yes. It's just like, yeah, you- What is it allow, you punk-ass bitch? You really believe that Dracon guy, huh? Yep, and now you're getting kidnapped, and he's zapping you to get through dimensions. Uh, that's pretty much what happens, is, like, Draken shows up at Ninjor's temple. Ninjor's pretty much like, okay, yeah, you passed some tests, I'll help you fix this thing, whatever. And it's just like, well, now you got kidnapped, because you weren't like, this is, this is, this is sus. As the kids yeah. used to say. 
I don't think sus is used as much anymore because I don't think people play Among Us as much anymore. So, yeah. I mean, I I don't know. It's still got enough of a following, I think. Yeah, it's just, it's just one of those like nothing and nothing came up in your alarm bells, and um, yeah, I got kidnapped through most of the comics. So we we bestow upon Ninja the Ranger Splane Dumb Bitch Award. Yep, it's it's finally happened. <laughs> he won. <laughs> He won the Dumb Bitch Award. Now, he, he does, does get, get rescued and helps out the rest of the team later, so he's not completely a dumb bitch throughout the entire book. <laughs> but that that was that was pretty spectacular. It's just not one moment you're like, this is kind of suspicious. Where'd you get this? You know, I'm just going to believe <laughs> you. And it's I, especially since, like, we saw Ninja, he kicked out Jason in the coinless verse without really much thought like go away fuck off and we see him also with the rangers in like season three where he just doesn't want to deal with the power rangers it's just like go away and it's like no i'll deal with the stracon guy and i'm like okay but also we would like to note that he's delivering these very serious dialogues in the comics he canonically has a dudley do right voice right <laughs> <laughs> so that's just going on in the back of your head while you're yeah. reading this stuff. Oh, man. Mm. Fucking Power Rangers. <laughs> Fucking Power Rangers. They they bring back anybody, you know? It's like, hey, remember Ninjor? He's back. <laughs> In Pog form. <laughs> <laughs> Not Pog form. I just, it just popped my head. I had to say it. <laughs> um, All right, um... So, kind of move on to our villains, or villain in this case, and uh, it is Lord Draken, aka the evil Tommy throughout the multiverse. And, um, uh, uh, Sid, do you want to bestow this particular honor? Uh, I know this honor, I think, was bestowed by George for the podcast, but yes, congratulations, you are the gayest, most disaster Tommy in all the multiverse. That includes divorced gay Dino Thunder Tommy. Which is impressive, honestly. Like, wow. Yeah, like, he was a total disaster. This is, and, and, and my little theory, this is not the one who married Kat. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but any in any case, with Draken, is that Draken hates himself so much that he does not understand why any, everybody else likes the other Tommies who didn't turn evil. <laughs> yeah. He's... He's the only, it's one of those, I, I, I feel like he was, I think the setup is what he was scared to connect with people or something, or he overheard, like, they were going to kill him. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember the exact thing of what made him, but yeah, he was just a scared little bitch who didn't want to connect with people, and he just turns into this self-loathing little mess. Yeah, it is... As, yeah, he like you ever loathe yourself so much that you go across the multiverse like killing all the other versions of yourself that you possibly can and then like creating a, a universe within the morphing grid where you are are basically a superman slash god and everybody loves you but you still hate yourself but yeah, you still deeply hate yourself, yes. Yeah, like it's one of those things that's like, yes, he becomes this this fascist dictator of the coinless universe. Uh, you know, kills Rita, kills really anybody who who double cross him. I don't think we ever see what happened to Billy. 
Yeah, the like, they who- talk about it, and I think they even briefly talk about what happened, but, like, you never actually see Billy's death in the coinless. Yeah, but, you know, it was, like, heroic and shit like that. So it was this kind mm-hmm. of, you know, so it's, like, up until this point, you're just seeing Dracon as this badass, you know, like. Right. And now... And I'm not actually going to be like, and now they made him a soft weirdo. It's like, no, I actually do like the fact that he has more of a character. And it's also like, fuck this dude too. Like, this, of course he's some weird mass shooter type. To put it mildly. Yeah. yeah, and that's the thing about, like, fascist and, like, because, um, Thoughtsline made a whole point about this in her recent video where, like, you know, fascists are basically just are sad assholes. Like, yeah, and like they reality does not match up with the fascist ideal, so they try to have reality match up to their ideals. And, and like he's kind of just the epitome of that. Like he's just the sad little broken like asshole that like it's. It's like, it's one of those things I wanted to make the joke about. Men will literally, like, destroy the multiverse, kill their multiversal selves, and, like, create a pocket dimension where they're basically God, so people will love them instead of going to therapy. Yeah, that's that's pretty much him, and I do like that. I do like, you know, he's, yeah, okay, he's a badass, but he's a, you know, the reason is, is because he's compensating for the fact that, yeah, reality can't be what he wants, so right. he's got to make that reality into what he is, and he just becomes, you know, this pathetic guy. And like I said, he, he kills a lot of people that go into his path, even those mm-hmm. who helped him and trusted him. Um, Like Rita, I just helped him rise to power, kills her immediately as soon as, you know, like, I can grab more power. The Fenster 5-1 bit was like, holy fucking shit. Mm-hmm. That really, like, oh, wow, you really are that irredeemable. Yeah, because, like, throughout the entire, like, like series or crossover event, however you want to put it, like, it's very clear that, like, Finster 5 is, like, the one person that he actually trusts and, like, treats with some amount of respect. Yeah, and Finster 5, I want to say, you know, loves him in some way. Yeah. You know, there's definitely a love there. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like because of what we see later in his kind of imaginative world, it's almost like Alfred to Batman. Yeah. It's this, you know, very fatherly like love to someone you serve. Mm -hmm. And so when basically right before kind of the big climax of stuff, Fenster, you know, and like Draken's like, oh, I'm failing, I'm dying here and everything. Fenster 5 is like trying to be like, no, we can still do this, we can still do this. And he just draws Fenster 5 like close to him and like, no master, no master. It is just like, breaks his neck. <laughs> yeah, after everything Fenster 5 did for him to try to like save him from himself, like from going too far in his plan. And nope, he- you're fucking dead now. Great job, buddy. Yeah, like he he break you know, breaks his neck. You're no longer of use to me. And mm-hmm. you know, that's what loyalty to a fascist gets you. Pretty much. 
Who never, who would have thought that like Power Rangers took on fascism in a good way, you know, of of actually (laughs) like exploring how a fascist is. Yeah, like, I'm I'm shocked as much as you are, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, and he he takes like the heart of a master, which seems to be a morphing master's heart, and it's like, it def, it's, it looks like a crystal. I was just gonna say that. It's this weird crystal like MacGuffin. And like we said, he makes a reality that, you know, on top of like meeting every single Tommy and is like, what's yeah. so important about you? Why do people love you? And, you know, right. why was I the evil one and everything? He turns reality and he creates his own reality that everyone gets sucked into. Where he's the mm-hmm. only one with powers and he's a hero that everyone loves. However, you can kind of tell that it's he still feels very hollow because it's like yeah. yes everyone has your ab- uh, uh, you know admiration and everything you know everyone's everyone's in love with you and you know basically oh you could do no wrong to them and everything and yet here you are you're still hollow as shit because yeah dude you didn't form relationships with people yeah like you just wanted power, you instead of looking deeper inside yourself, when you saw when you saw throughout the entire multiverse that you were the one Tommy that went evil. Yeah. And instead of like trying to fix that in any sort of way, you just dug down deeper without making any connection to people, killing everybody around you, killing every Tommy throughout the multiverse, destroying the multiverse as people knew it. Yeah. Just to have this own little real- little bubble reality where everything was perfect just for you, and yet you're still literally fighting off your subconscious and your like inner demons every fucking day. <laughs> because you were a scared little bitch who instead of... Wanting to go with the team, mm-hmm. went to Rita instead because you yeah. were like, "Well, I need power, obviously." And Rita makes sense. I need power to save things. right. And this um, kind of ties back to the Tommy in the comics. Like Tommy from the comics comes back like through this reality, and like as you said, kicks him in the face, screaming friendship. Yeah, that's pretty much the entire thing is Tommy's like, the reason why I am here and the reason why all these other Tommies succeeded is because they weren't just Tommy. Right. They had a team and they had people they trusted. Which, oh my god, I can't believe it's taken that long for something within Power Rangers to point out that Tommy was a member of a fucking team. (laughs) And that's what makes Tommy great. He was a great member of a team. He was a great leader, even when he was a divorced dad. <laughs> that he was still there for the fucking Dino Thunder team. He was still and like, okay, l- I guess I'm your dad now. Yeah, because I'm like, that's what bothers me so much about, like, oh, Tommy Oliver is the greatest ranger of all time. Like, it's like, no, well, that's the thing about being a ranger is that it's not a solo action. You are a part of a team. Yeah. It's like, and yeah, he is a part of a lot of teams, but like, oh, sorry. Like, the yeah. marketing around Tommy 
for like years now has truly gotten at me. It is nothing against Jason David Frank anymore at this point. It is just purely the marketing standpoint of through 30 years of Power Rangers. Yeah, it's like, isn't Tommy the coolest? And it's, this, I love that this comic reminds me, it's like, oh yeah, Tommy is kind of cool in his own way, you know? Yeah, but like, he's not the only person on the team who's cool. And like, yeah. the one version of Tom, the the, to- the people of that people want, Dragon is kind of, to me, is kind of a reflection of like, what would actually happen if the Tommy that like, people want who want Tommy to be certain fan not people but like certain fans want Tommy to be like this unrelenting badass who has a little bit of an evil streak which it's, it's always funny to me when people online is like oh yeah remember when Tommy like went evil and beat up the rangers blah 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 it's like it was like three episodes and it was he over was- and he was never evil again after that <laughs> and he was actually a very decent good guy yeah like the like that the the storyline they think is happening there is actually happening in Dino Thunder with Trent, but like yeah. uh, also I'm gonna say it was five episodes or something, but it feels like eight. <laughs> yeah, but in any case, it was a very short arc within Power Rangers. So like, yeah. Tommy was not like the secret like antihero evil badass. It's like now antihero was Eric, evil badass yeah. was Trent. Um, <laughs> but. In any case, yeah, so it's, like, Dracon feels like a reflection of what those, like, uh, on the surface, he seems like what those people, like, want Tommy to be, actually. Yeah, I was about to say that, like, he's that dark reflection of the Tommy people want, like, some people want. Yeah, you know, the unrelenting badass who doesn't need anybody and rides alone, and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, well, okay. He, like, they're giving you that. But also, they're giving you the fact that he is just absolutely broken. Doesn't want to confront his own flaws. He is a fascist who is literally willing to destroy reality just so people will fucking love him. It's it like, really, like, as I, I'm, I'm thinking back to how Rita... Mm-hmm. was kind of in Tommy's mind. Like, there was that Rita in Tommy's mind, whether it was, like, a spell or just how the doubt was presenting in Tommy. Right. And I want to, like, and I like I said, I feel like this Tommy is the closest to Draken. I feel like Draken was having those doubts. Yeah. And he, and instead of being brave, confronting those doubts and confronting the fact that there is people here for you now, and that, you know, whether this is a spell or not, this person's manipulative. You know, may- yeah. maybe it was just Trini talking to him. Right. <laughs> that changed everything. But regardless, but you, I think that Draken just gave into that doubt. And mm-hmm. that's why you see this. Sca- oh, yeah, he's a badass, but he's also a scared little fascist bitch who yeah. could not, even when he finally could get morality molded into what he wanted, he couldn't accept it. Yeah. And and the thing is, is that even Tommy, that the Tommy we know in this particular comics universe, holds his hand out to him and offers to, like, offers him redemption. Or yeah. at least offers him to work towards redemption. And he refuses. Yeah, I, that was one of the things I actually absolutely loved. 
mm-hmm. about the wrap up of this is Dracon normally in Power Rangers, especially when it comes to like a humanoid, mm-hmm. uh, like villain. There's always like if there's a chance to redeem that villain, they'll do it. Right. It doesn't matter how fucking bad that villain is. They'll they'll try and do it. You know, we saw it with um, I want to say Jared from the Jungle Fury. Uh, Jungle Fury, yeah, because that, that one did end mm-hmm. with a uh, redemption arc. And with J- with Jared him. and Camille. And you also had Carone, you know, even though she, yeah. she was brainwashed through most of her time as astronomer. Like, you still right. had that. So, you know, Tommy, this version of Tommy, reaching out to what he could have been and being like, hey, you know, you still have a chance to have friends. We'll, we'll be there for you. We'll, we'll, we'll undertake that. And he still rejects it. And I really, yeah. I like that they also just honored that rejection. And yeah, he pretty much, it looks like he dies. Yeah. He, he dies in that, that pocket dimension that he created. That he couldn't, you know, it's like he couldn't live with the knowledge that, yeah, you were the weakest Tommy. <laughs> yeah. Just Wow. Yeah, it's, um, I really, and again, I feel like that is one of the more adult Power Ranger things I've seen in the comics is mm-hmm. instead of going for that redemption arc, um, which, you know, it's, I think it's there because, you know, kids and all that, you went with like a more bolder choice in Power Rangers, at least with, no, I'm not going to accept this redemption. I'm going to yeah. die here because yeah. I can't. Whew. Yeah, a lot of thoughts about Lord Draken. Yeah, clearly. We have so, a lot of um, thoughts about how to a fan of Cease Tommy. Yep, that too. Uh, so we're going to move on to our honorable mentions now. We're kind of just going to break this up into two categories, which is has stuff and is greatly involved, but no real arc over the st- course of the story. And then yeah. also, we just love these guys. Um, yeah. So kind of our first character within that category is Finster Five. Yeah, who Finster is Five, a. Yeah. I don't know if it's like the reanimated corpse of Finster with um, alpha parts, alpha fives, <laughs> alpha parts, or whatever. Which, oh by the way, the scene where Dracon kills Alpha in the in space story—what the fuck, man? <laughs> yeah, like what the shit? I oh just—I had to bring that up real briefly, but anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so but. You know, we talked about Finster 5 a little bit already and how he's kind of, like, the most loyal, like, servant of Dracon. Yeah. And even that doesn't help him in the end. No. Uh, we also want to mention the other Rangers, Trini, Zack, and Billy. Uh, they didn't really just have, like, the focus arc of the story. It seems like, you know, they were kind of the, the focus arcs of the previous story. So, you know... Yeah, which, like, that's kind of the advantage of having an ongoing comic um, mm-hmm. where you can, you know, you don't necessarily have to have the story focused on everybody all the time. Like, you can kind of pull, like, put some others on the shelf for a minute and then just pull the others forward. Yeah. Um, which I feel like the story with, like, that focuses a lot on Tommy, I feel like pulling in, like, Kimberly and Jason is probably the right way to go. Yeah. Um, especially with like the conflict between Tommy and Jason in the last arc and the kind of the budding romance between Tommy and Kimberly. 
yeah. uh, at this point in the story. Yeah, it was kind of the wiser choice, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, there's still some really good moments, especially because, like, the Trini from the Coinless universe and Trini from this particular universe do end up meeting. Yeah. I think it's kind of, it does seem like it's an interesting moment for both of them, honestly. And then there's this interaction between Zack of the Coinless and Comics Universe Zack. Yeah. Where they kind of touch back on the whole, like, offer that Rita made Zack about becoming the Green Ranger. And basically, you know, he tells him that, you know, you were right. And, like, Zack Zach tells him, like, see, I told you. Or Coinless Zack tells him that. And, like, also Mm. thinks about a life without having to fight for, you know, everything that's happening. And, like, he just desperately is hoping that after everything that happens, he can finally catch a break. He dies, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Oh. And you find out through Trini. She just loses everybody in this universe. Oh, yeah. It's so upsetting. Like, the scene when, like, they walk... Like, the only person that... The only people that come out after the Ninjor rescue are Ninjor and Zack of uh, the comics universe. And Trini asks what happened. And Zack doesn't even have to say anything. And she knows. Yeah. Um... Kind of to touch on the coinless uh, real quick. Uh, We finally see coinless skull for the most part. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. and peace, buddy. Um, he actually becomes a deep agent. Uh, in Basically, from what it looks like, he just becomes a spy for um, basically the rebels and rises up through the ranks, is able to kind of make sure stuff is fudged and everything that, you know, like, I think Zack gets captured and, you know, Skull was able to kind of, like, He's in such a high command that he was able to dismiss the others and like, hey, I'm here for you. Uh, by the way, like, this is what we're doing. I know where Ninjor is. And so when they finally do the rescue of Ninjor, obviously Zack is killed. And, uh, you know, Draken finds out about this betrayal. He's, of course, like, what the fuck? You did everything for me. Ah, you know, he's he's not understanding this. Right. And, like, Skull's such a badass about it. He's just like, yeah, this is willing to die for, basically. Yeah. You know, and breaks Skull's neck. Yeah, it's it's a really great moment for Skull, even though, like, he, he fucking dies. Yeah, like, R.I.P. R- coin with Skull. We love you. Yeah, you were a real one. Well, also, like, I just wanted to notate that Coinless Trini also gets a mech suit. <laughs> yeah! She doesn't have a morphing power. They give her a mech suit. It's really cool. Yeah. The other person we want to bring up was, again, Grace Sterling. Like, she's touched on a little bit. Not as much, obviously, as the arc we recently covered. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, she's still there. And, like, like, you know, she has that, again, kind of connection with Jason at the end. And she's able to help out with kind of the big battle at the end as well. Yeah. And, like, so, yeah, the, it's kind of reconnects there. And then also, like, basically, because she and... Uh, Ranger Slayer Kim kind of get put in charge of like rescuing some of the other Rangers from Draken's moon base, which the Prometheus space station is Terra Venture. Like, I love that detail. <laughs> it's like, this is that Terra Venture. Oh, that's what it's going to be called. She's like, oh, that's what they call it. It's like, <laughs> it's so good. So fucking yeah. good. And basically, that kind of stuff kind of sets up for Beyond the Grid. So I'm, we'll probably, looks like we'll see her there. 
And then finally, we have our other kind of mentor uh, character of this is Doggy Kruger, who he has stuff mostly conferring with Zordon, but he has like no uh, arc so much um, besides just being his usual mentor self. He's mostly like they're foiling Zordon in a lot of ways. Mm hmm. Um, I think he also offers, like, oh, yeah, I also had failure, and this is what I did, so. But it wasn't, I think, as poignant to talk about as, say, you know, Dr. K's or, uh, or Lauren's. Yeah, I will say I do love his, like, stare down with Rita, like, later on in the story. You're a part of existence. Yeah, or, like, basically, like, she threatens to put a, like, collar on him, um, and he's just like, go ahead and try it, please. Like, he desperately <laughs> wants to fucking shoot her. <laughs> we just love these guys. Yeah. I I had one that came up. I did pop for Carter. So his brief appearance. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of rangers that get, like, brief appearances, but, like, don't really have a story arc. Um, I... I I so pointed out that these three are seen together at multiple times, and uh, Sid dubbed them the Ace Squad of <laughs> mostly sapphic aces of Kendall, yeah, and RJ. It's <laughs> just, just like it's like yeah, it's like that's one of the things about like you never purple's not a common color in Power Rangers. So I, I one I like the fact that they put the two purple Power Rangers that we know of together. Yeah, and then also just had Cat there for some reason. <laughs> it's like um you're you're kind of uh sort of a mentor ranger too so you can hang with us the mentor rangers yeah yeah got so hyped (laughs) for jack from hyperforce yeah oh man so there's like that great panel of uh, jack and dustin interacting about the hammer (laughs) yeah just so good and like but also, I just feel like Jack would definitely have a, I am 30 or 40 years old and I do not need this about Dustin. Yes, he would just be like, bless your heart. <laughs> if Jack was Southern, he would just act, bless your heart about Dustin. Oh, for sure. So just, it's like, you're so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and like, there's there's more, obviously, that kind of show up or in the background or have speaking moments. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about them because we want to talk about like interactions specifically, especially because like TJ is another one who kind of pops up a lot that I was just like, ooh, there's a lot to, to kind of chew on there. Yeah. Well, I, I guess let's like kind of bring a transition to our odds and ends with that. Uh, yeah. Because there's this, there's this, uh, it's not enough to really kind of talk about these characters or anything. But there's a good bit of, there's like a decent bit of like in space stuff that happens. And kind of the first oh, thing yeah. is with TJ and Andrus, like they actually show some tension. Like this must have been, I guess, early on. It's uh, we know it's prior to Andros knowing Astronomus Corone. Yeah, because there is a moment when like the Rangers that they are able to rescue are together. That Corone, who's you know has the Pink Ranger powers, like has already with the Lost Galaxy team, sees Andros, and I think she realizes that this is Andros before he knows what happened to her. Yeah, and it's like. She's kind of just like, I don't know how to say to him. And, like, I think it was Jen. It was either Jen or Kimberly or just, like, basically encourage her to, like, just go up to him and just have that moment. You don't have to say, 
you can admit the truth, you know, about what's yeah. going on. He just wants to be, and he was, he was happy to see her and happy. Mm-hmm. It kind of gave him hope. It's like, okay, you are safe you know, yeah. somewhere. But this is, you know, it's early on in the team. I th- it Definitely before I think Zane is awakened because we don't see Zane. Right. Um, and TJ and Andrews just have this, you know, they're fighting, you know, yeah. almost. Because I think Andrus did like some sort of social faux pas or something. And it was mm-hmm. minor, but it, it like TJ was just set off by it. Yeah, and it's it's very clear that TJ is frustrated that he's basically been demoted without really any um mm-hmm. without really any say. Yeah. And you're thinking, okay, this is something they're gonna work through until Draken invades. Yeah, they don't even really like resolve that part. Like Yeah. TJ kinda has to like step up and like try to save like well like try to save the rest of the team yeah he gets captured for it yeah he pulls off basically a self-sacrificing set because he realizes okay andrus gets depowered i can't and is and you know this this guy can recognize us through morphing so i can't morph so he basically sets up this whole trap where he doesn't have oxygen in the room like he has to have an oxygen mask and you know, is basically fighting ZRG just to get them ejected into space. Yeah. And, and yeah, he gets captured, and him and Andros don't really resolve that tension. Maybe they do after the timelines reset, like, you know, and everything. Maybe they do have a tension-resolving moment, like, it goes back to that moment. Right. It, they have a, t- but yeah, it's kind of like, TJ, it, it kind of also shows, like, Andros is still working on his own, He's not used mm-hmm. to the teamwork here, whereas TJ still thinks about the team. Yeah. When he's captured, we found out Kelsey also was captured. And we kind of have a like a fun sports interaction between the two of them because they have push-up contests between each other. Yeah, because they're like I there's not a whole lot to do when you're in prison. So like So Kelsey is just there doing push-ups and like An- not Andros, uh TJ like tells her, Oh, your count's off. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a, it's a very cool moment. Um, and I can't remember if they're like part of the team and beyond the grid. So hopefully we'll see more of that in the future. I'm always up for more TJ. He's fun. So yeah, it's like, like we're an absolute slut for TJ. <laughs> Our podcast is is 100% slut for TJ. So yes. <laughs> um, anyway, so I guess kind of moving back to like we kind of skipped ahead on our list. So we had to like yeah. go, go forward to go back. Uh, you wanted to mention Finster Five Sweet Outfit. Yeah, I was I was just like, I texted you this, and I'm like, we were going to be talking about this. You know, that's right. You're right. This is kind of, like you said, it's like, we don't know if it's like this reanimated thing of Finster who then gets, like, infused with alpha parts, or that just is what happened between the two of them. But yeah, I'm just like, this is fucking rad. I love this design. Right. Yeah, it's, it's a good look. It's a good look. Um, it's enough to make me, like, I, this would be hell, but I would cosplay this. <laughs> uh, you'd have um, to get with some of those cooling packs that furries use. Yeah. <laughs> Learn from fursuiters. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was kind of the quick bit we wanted to touch up. But uh, one of the things we also noticed is the Ninja Steel story was better than any right it had it had to be like we we're like what the fuck this is this is what we could have had with ninja steel 
So yeah, the Ninja Steel story was actually written by Becca Barnes and Alan Dale, who actually did work on Ninja Steel. And I'm glad they yeah, got an I feel like <laughs> yeah, they got an outlet to actually do something ser- somewhat serious with the story. Because I noticed that Brute, uh, <laughs> Broody, but he is Broody in it. Brody is a little bit more Broody in that particular story. Yeah, like they actually like play with the fact that he, you know he's a little. He did get enslaved as a child. He's a little fucked up. Yeah, and, like, even he's, like, kind of has, like, doubts about, like, his, like, yeah, he has this, like, really awful dream, and he's, like, it's shaking him up, and the rest of the team's just kind of, like, yeah, it's just a dream, don't worry about it. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, like, everything, like, basically he ends up fighting Dracon, and it's kind of, like, the self-sacrificing move that he makes doesn't quite work. Yeah. And we, we also so, see but his yeah. dad. <laughs> yeah, we also see his dad. He was there the whole time. <laughs> yeah, we, we will always, I will always harp on that. I was like, you mean his dad was there the whole time? He didn't use him? Yeah, like, especially after he came back. And I was just like, yeah, it's like, reading that Ninja Steel story, it's like, this is what the series could have been like. Yeah, because, you know, it actually has tension with a character and, like, s- stuff playing with that tension. Like, you know, he's... He, you know, he would do a self-sacrificing move because that's kind of, like, you know, how he's taught to be. Mm-hmm. You know, he does have his own angst and everything. And, yeah, no, instead we got what we got. So I'm glad that the Ninja Steel writers got an outlet to write what could have been. Yeah, pretty much. Yes. Thank you. Thank you um, for that. <laughs> thank, yes. Thank you for coming back for this. Um, yes. And then, uh... So there's a lot of, like, small interactions within the book, obviously, because, like, you know, we have our main rangers that we focus on, but there's also, like, a bunch of rangers who will, like, show up and have these character moments, or they're just kind of in the background. Like, the Hyperforce mm-hmm. rangers are there, that they show up, um, we see Jack on panel without his helmet on, um, or and I think Chloe's in the background of one where it's, like, the Phantom Ranger and, um... The the one with the horns, like the looks like the bull. Magna Defender. Magna Defender, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Um, uh I, I do like this show. It's just um, my brain cannot hold characters from 30 years worth of material all at the same time. Um I, I just you love that Captain Magna Marvel Defender trivia you need to hold on. To. Yeah. yeah exactly but i just i love that like moment between like phantom ranger and magnet offender just being like so you wear a helmet yep (laughs) yep all the time (laughs) Um, you see you see chloe wander by in the background at that point but like yeah there's i think there's a lot of small interactions here that it would be kind it would be interesting to see like maybe some more short stories based on that or as you noted fan fiction yeah, if fans want to, you know, take over and just write some fan fiction, have at it. Like, that's always fun. Yeah. Um, when it, and some, oh, go ahead. I was just saying one of the more interesting bits about this, because one of the things we also, we we don't see a lot of with the comics is Arrival Day. Yeah. You, you know, um, AKA uh, the Day of the Dumpster, because, like, I feel like... Mm-hmm. Definitely, they, they kind of always skate around it, especially in Go-Go, even though Go-Go is basically their first year as Power Rangers. Yeah. Because, like, obviously it's something that, like, every Power Rangers fan really knows at this point about, like, you know, 
Rita and her dumpster and how, like, uh, Zordon found the teenagers with attitude. So, like, the comics never really, like, retread that particular path. Yeah. Um, but for the first time in the comic, we do actually see kind of the bits of that when, like, Zordon is making his appeal to the, the emissaries. Yeah. So... I definitely, I definitely like that. It's like, okay, we're actually seeing a little bit more of what Arrival Day was. But right. like you said, it's kind of like we all know Day of the Dumpster enough that, you know, you can kind of, I, I like kind of the inference of Arrival Day and how mm-hmm. it sounds like it wasn't all that great. So, and we might be seeing more of that in the future of the comic, um, you know, as time goes on. This is yeah. this is kind of the unknown territory for me and and for Ashley. So yeah. I'm kind of excited to see where this all goes. Same here. I was going to say one of the last things I wanted to mention was the uh, time headaches. Yeah. So there's a whole thing where like um, Jen mentions it especially is that like she gets headaches when she travels through time, kind of similar to jet lag. Yeah. Uh, which makes sense because like it's kind of a. You know, if you're going jumping back and forth on the timeline, like, of course, I feel like your body would definitely kind of react to that. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I kind of just like, I kind of like you pointed it out, but I definitely agree that I really like that detail of like, yeah, time travel does physically affect your body. Yeah. And it also sounds like it's because things are also rearranging in your head. Like mm-hmm. the lag also comes from the fact that the timelines changed in enough ways possibly mm-hmm. that yeah. you now are no longer you like your memory's trying to rework itself even though you know of what the past was or the future right rather. so I, I do i do love like yeah there are physical effects to time traveling anything else no, i think that's it all right so we reached our, our verdict of this piece and um this is pretty good definitely yes I'm coming this way uh, from a like a fan kind of perspective on this. Um, but again, this is, was a wonderful comic arc to read. Um, while we only had to focus on the three rangers, it wasn't as if the other rangers were completely sidelined like you often see in the show. That has a very condensed narrative. And that feels like to me it's taking advantage of being an ongoing comic by realizing like, hey, we have other we have time for the others to shine, you know, later we can, you know, we can always bring them back. I also love, again, that use of comics and also pulling from the other ranger teams and even characters that didn't get a chance to, to shine because you're not, you know, dealing with people's schedules and trying to get actors to come back. You could just throw them in there, uh, which isn't to say that's bad, but, you know, it's a little easier to do. Uh, and then the big thing I enjoyed as a fan is that it definitely brings out, again, the flavor of the television show. You read things you've picked up as a viewer, but realize, like, never been explored. Again, like, the morphing grid's, like, a very big one. They're actually, you know, exploring that. And overall, I've been really enjoying what Boom is bringing us so far. And this this really was, like, another great addition to to that. 100%. Uh, yeah, after reading the first two years of the comics and reading the first half of Go-Go recently, it's so nice to finally see everything in the comics and, uh, it's so nice to finally see everything that the comics and a little bit of Hyperforce have been building towards just payoff. It definitely feels like one of those things that lends itself well to the comic format, especially with how Gogo runs through as a flashback that sets up the final payoff. The story feels like a sandbox with, like, all of the ranger figures that are there, 
and interacting with each other, but it has enough control to build in unexpected ways and not just in ways to serve the most typical fans and to keep the story rolling for years to come. It's absolutely fantastic stuff. So we're at the end of the episode now. So as always, we want to thank Kate Nix for our banging theme song that you hear at the beginning of every episode. Uh, currently, her site, katenix.com, is under construction. However, her link tree at, uh, under I am Kate Nix links you to her band cap and streaming site, which is katenix.tv. She does a bi-monthly show, The Lounge, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. If you're wondering if it's an on month or an off month, you can check her show's Instagram. It's The Lounge. You can also watch older episodes on her YouTube channel, which is Kate Nix. She also has personal accounts using Zenitac, which is Kate Nix spelled backwards, on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok if you want a bit of flair in Winslow the Big Piano Playing Cat. Uh, Joe Hunter, as always, for our art. Uh, he's a comic book artist who has done backups for Radiant Black, a story in Headlock Comics, Tales from the Road series, and is currently working on Beast Heart Strikers with co-creator and writer Land Pitts. Uh, he's also done Tales from the Pandemic and has an upcoming book with Mad Cave Studios, which is very exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can support him on Patreon at Joe underscore Hunter and Threadless at JoeHunter.Threadless.com. You can find him on Twitter as Joe underscore Hunter and Instagram as Joe Bloody Hunter. And then, as always, thank you, Kurt Yoder, for editing. Uh, you can find him at uh, Great SG Creations on Etsy and Square, as well as Great SG Pixels on Twitter. Um, and then for our $5 patrons, as always, thank you so much for your support for Griffman. Um, so as if you want to support us on Patreon, we do have a new, uh, reward incoming, which is now Discord access. We are finally going to have a shiny new Discord, uh, for our, uh, Patreon on subscribers to subscribe to and come in and chat with us. Uh, we're still kind of working out some of the details on that, but you should see more on our Patreon soon. And for our wrestler of the podcast, it is Ichiban, number one, numero uno, number eins, if I remember that right, because it's in German now as well, Jaden Newman. Um, so we wanted to kind of have him as our wrestler of the podcast because we joke that he's kind of the multiversal wrestler of um, of the Southeast. Because most everywhere else he goes, he's completely faced. But in like action wrestling down in Tyrone, Georgia, he is just the most evil little bastard. That's that's the Lord Draken version. <laughs> yeah, that's his Dracon version. Uh, once got thrown in a lake. <laughs> <laughs> it's also hilarious when those show like when TWE and Action run on the same weekend. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow Jaden on Twitter at Jaden Four Real. That's the number four in the middle there, or on Instagram at Jaden One Newman. Uh, and you can also follow his, like his promotion that he teaches and uh, stars in TWE Chattanooga on Twitter and Instagram as well. As for me, you can find me as always on Instagram and Twitter at, at Miss Kitty F. Um, I keep saying I should change that name and then I never do. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you can find me there. Uh, you can also find my stores through my Linktree account, which is on both of my both on my Twitter and Instagram. That'll take you to my itch.io storefront as well as my uh, Square storefront where you can buy beanies, zines, masks that I've made. Uh, please buy some of my masks as they're just sitting here Still- collecting dust. It's it's always a good time to put your mask back on. I'm just saying. Nobody nobody likes the flu and shit. Go get a mask. That's fashionable. Yeah, exactly. 
All right, Esri, you can find me on Twitter as it's still kind of kicking under Velisa Riker, as well as a little bit on Tumblr and a little bit on Instagram as too. As always, my Instagram is kind of uh, locked, so you're you're gonna have to do a friend request. Uh, you can also find my store, which is soaps and uh, soaps and candles and other such uh, apothecary. Uh, Coda's Magical Crafts, and you can find it on most places under Coda's Crafts. That includes uh, Instagram and um, Twitter, as well as uh, Coda's Magical Crafts on TikTok. And all right, and then for us, Ranger Splain, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram under at Ranger Splain. Uh, Sid runs the Instagram a little bit more than I do. Yeah, and I use the Twitter the kind of exclusively because I think we forgot the password. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I try my best with Instagram, so I'm an old man. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. No, Sid's Instagram posts are really good. You should, like, <laughs> Instagram stories are really good. You should check them out. Um, and then, uh, as always, for our show notes for every episode, as well as links to where you can find us online, uh, we you can go to uh, our WordPress account, which is uh, rangersplain.wordpress.com. Um, and then, uh, as I mentioned previously, you can find us on Patreon at, uh, patreon.com slash rangersplain, where you can subscribe to us for our new Discord, our monthly Q&As, our Sticker of the Month Club. There's lots of cool stuff that, uh, we have cooked over, or cooking over there, and we'd like you to take part. Um, if you're unable to support us on Patreon... We totally get it. Like, times are, are really tough right now. Uh, but a great way to support us without having to give us money is to give us ratings. So if you go on to Apple Podcasts or anywhere, any podcast platform that you use that allows you to rank and review episodes uh, or uh, podcasts, please give us a five-star rating so that way we can beat the dreaded algorithm and get out to more Ranger fans who want to hear our weird brand of shit. <laughs> yes, we need we need... If you need more gay Vulcan skull in your life, get us out there. Yes. <laughs> and, and obviously, if you have uh, if you have another Ranger-loving fan who would love to hear us, like, please recommend our podcast. And word of mouth is also great. Yes. All right. Well, that's it for this month. Next month, we're going to be somewhat timely again by covering the rest of Go-Go Power Rangers to coincide with the next hardcover release. In the meantime, stay safe and may the power protect you. Go. Go. Go.